Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. A little while ago, I walked into my house after work, and uh, I see my wife, and the very first words I say to my wife are, what's for dinner? She looks at me with this startling look of, like, did I just really say that? Now, men, you know I'm not alone. You've made these kind of mistakes as well. But here is what followed up. When she gave me that look, I then went and said, I should have just eaten at my mom's house. (laughs) Mistakes, right? We all make them. Mistakes and consequences. Have you ever made a mistake and had some serious consequence to that? Now, it's my belief, and I believe it's biblical as well, that whenever we make a mistake in our faith journey, it's not necessarily the mistake that hangs us up. It's the consequences that follow that particular mistake. We say, hey, if I'm going to have to weather this, am I going to have to go through this? Then it's too hard. I can't do it. And I believe in our faith journey, we say, okay, God, I've made this choice, I have this action, and now I just can't engage anymore in this consequence. And there's someone in here listening online, wherever you might be, that there are some consequences going on in your life. And you have an option, you can lean in and say, God, deal with me, move through me, guide me, or you say, hey, it's too hard, I'm ready to give up. Today, my prayer, my hope, my encouragement to you is that you hang in there, you don't give up. So we're going to be looking at 2 Samuel chapter 24. It's the very last chapter, and we see this man by the name of King David. So you can join me there. We believe in having notes because if you read, write, and recite, you're better to retain what we talk about. So you can leave here better than the way you came in. So this is King David. He made a huge mistake, and we'll address that in a moment, but it wasn't it was through that mistake, God did something great. But the king said to Aruna, I know I've got to buy it from you for a good price. We're in verse 24. I'm not going to offer God, my God, sacrifices that are no sacrifice. So David bought the threshing floor, the ox, paying out 50 shekels of silver. He built an altar to God there and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Now, these three words come in big time. God was moved. God was moved by the prayers. Some translations say prayers, actions. David's ability to navigate the consequence, God was moved. And that was the end of the disaster. Now, I want us to understand a couple things real quick. When it comes to consequences, when it comes to results from our actions, I say this with the most humble spirit, with words that are kind and and compassionate as this, because it's important that we understand this fundamentally when it comes to consequences, is one, consequence trumps forgiveness. Consequence trumps forgiveness. Now, Jesus speaks on forgiveness quite often in, his go- in the Gospels, and he actually says, how many times should, he's asked with a question from the crowd, how many times should we forgive? And Jesus says, 70 times seven. We see this in Matthew 18. Forgive and forgive. Seven is a holistic number, a cyclical number in Scripture. So you say, forgive, forgive, and God even says, forgive others so God can forgive you. Forgiveness is, is essential in our spiritual faith. But remember, Even though we are forgiven by God, even though others forgive us, there are still consequences 
to our actions. So David, he is in this moment of consequences. He's in this moment of making a mistake and, and laying in the bed that he's made. And, and this is the thing I want to encourage you with right now. I want to, you to know this. David is, commit, David is labeled as an adulterer. David's labeled as this man who murders. And if maybe you're new to the faith, you've heard us speak about it in this Rebellion Meets series. David is betrayed by his own men. David betrays his men. David has pride. David has a power attitude. David is this man who's made mistake after mistake, who suffered consequence and consequence. He sees rebellion in his life. But in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, we see the apostles, the new church form, and they say this. They say, David was a man after God's own heart. He could navigate the consequences. So if David is this man who is the lowest of the lows, who made mistake after mistake, we can be encouraged this morning because there's hope for us today. Come on, church, there's hope for us today. So today, the battle is, what we need to look at is how do we handle the consequences the right way? Number one for us is this, we need to own the mistake, own the mistake. It's important that we also address that not every mistake is because of your own doing. There are mistakes that have happened in your life that you are reaping someone else's issue, someone else's action. There's consequence there. We see this throughout scripture, there's different themes, but we need to own that mistake so we can navigate those consequences properly. If we don't own those mistakes, the, the roots of bitterness grow in our heart, grow in our mind, and form and wrap around our, our, our bodies and our souls in such a way we can't get past those mistakes. We can't navigate the consequence. So here's David's mistake in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses one through three. Once again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. And he caused David to harm them by taking a census. Go and count the people of Israel and Judah, the Lord told him. Now when you read just this account, then it looks like, it sounds like that God inflicted David to do wrong, to David to do evil. That's why we always believe here at Faith Assembly that context is king. Anytime we look at the word of God, we have to see from how's it woven through the whole entire scriptures, the word of God. There's actually this event is recorded again in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse one. In essence, what happens here, God takes a step back from blessings David's, David's life and his hand upon David's life. And then what happens is Satan comes and tempts him. Whenever temptation is acted upon, that seed was already planted in our life, planted in our heart, planted in our mind. So David has some temptation already planted in his life. God takes a step back, his proximity, because David did wrong, we're not really sure. Israel was doing wrong, we're not really sure why this sin happened. But when God kind of removes himself, David acts out on temptation. That's the first mistake that he's made. See, it's important to understand in Mark chapter 10, verse 18, when Jesus says, uh, he's asked, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. God is good. God is good. See, we get this different account in 1 Chronicles 21, where it says the actual tempter, Satan, the adversary, comes in, tempts David. David, because a seed's planted in his life, acts upon that. 
And then in verse two, we continue, it says, so the king said to Joab in the com- of the commander's army, take a census of all the tribes of Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, so I may know how many people there are. But Joab replied to the king, may the Lord your God let you live to see a hundred times as many people as there are now. But why, my lord, the king, do you want to do this? Now, this man by the name of Joab, he gets a bad rap through scripture. People don't really like to side with him. He actually betrays. In fact, David's son Solomon ends up killing Joab. But I kind of root for Joab all through scripture because he does some things that, honestly, I would do. See, the mistake David makes right here with this commander by the name of Joab is he doesn't listen to the people who are close to him. He's in that position, he's in that place. Joab saw the supernatural strength of God time and time again, walking and working alongside David, yet David didn't listen to him. So there's temptation in David's life, and then he doesn't listen to the people around him. See, David's pride welled up. Instead of relying on the supernatural strength of God, what he does, he relies on his own strength. That's why he takes this census. See, David's very insecure at this portion of Scripture. David is uh, on edge. He's looking around. See, he's just got done dealing with a revolt from his own son. And so this is what happens when he's dealing with this whole revolt. He wants to know his strength, his power, his people, his nation's power, rather than saying, hey, God, this this revolt happened. Now let me just trust you. This mistake, many of our mistakes can be, can be missed and wouldn't happen in our life if we don't fall into temptation. And two, we listen around to the people who are close to us in our lives who have our best interest in our lives. I would say 90% of what we deal with is self-inflicted decisions that we have. So then some time goes by and David's mistake and then we see David comes to a point where he's in agony He knows his conscience is is there. He's convicted. We see this as God's presence upon his life. In 2 Samuel 24, 10, this is what happened. But David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people, after he made this sin, quit relying on God and relied on his own strength. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the inequity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. So David comes this moment where he owns his mistake, he owns his sin, his grievance against the Lord. And so God forgives him, but he says there's going to be a consequence. So I'm going to give you three options, David. You can pick which option you want. First, you can have three years of famine in your land. Secondly, you can have three months of fleeing from your enemies. Or thirdly, you can have a severe plague that will last for three days. David chooses the latter. Three days of plague. Consequence pursued. David owned it and David had to deal with it. But then David comes to this point where the angel of the Lord is upon the city of Jerusalem getting to strike the city and this is what David does and the example he lays out. He says, when David saw the angel about to destroy the people over the city of Jerusalem, he prayed, please, I'm the one who sinned. I, the shepherd, I did wrong, but because, the sh- but, these, but these sheep, what did they do wrong, David's asking? Punish me and my family. David owns 
his mistake. If we want to get through our consequences, we got to come to this understanding of we need to own the mishap, the mistake that's occurred in our life. James 5.16 says this, just as brother, in relating to ways we get through situations, says, therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James says, confess. If you read earlier in this book, James is talking about, hey, we praise God when it's good. We pray when, God, when it's good. We praise God when it's bad. We pray when things are bad. But the thing we need to do is we need to confess what's taking place in our lives. We need to own the mistake, the grievance that we walked into or that has occurred to us. So we have to start there so we can deal with it. And then number two, when it comes to dealing with consequences, we need to mark that mistake. Mark the mistake. We tangibilize the issue to help us through the process. This past week, uh, as I was preparing for this word to share with you this morning, I have a prayer journal that I write in every morning. It's bullet pointed, and I was looking through it just randomly with no real intent, just saying, hey, God's answered this prayer. God's done this in my life. And then I started looking at the prayer request. More than 50% of those prayer requests are some kind of issues that I've inflicted in my life. So I'm like, I'm tangibilizing, marking the mistake in my life. I'm like, oh man, that's in my journal. What is happening? God, help me mark the mistake. See, this is what David does. He says, it's that same day, so David prays, I'm wrong. He's saying, please forgive me. Don't harm the people anymore. God shows mercy. We see this from 1 Chronicles. And the same day, God came to David and said, go and build an altar on the threshing floor of Araniah, Aruna, man, I've practiced this all week long. Aruna, the Jebusite. David did what Gad told him, what God commanded. Aruna looked up and saw David and his men coming his way. He met them bowing deeply, honoring the king and saying, why has my master, the king, come to see me? To buy the threshing floor, said David, so I can build an altar to God here and put an end to this disaster. What's David do? He marks the mistake. Anytime we look in the Old Testament, we see these altars that are erected in the name of God. A couple things, there's two sides of the altar. First, to represent the goodness of God that has taken place. If there is a miracle, erect an altar because God came and God proved and showed up at that time and his goodness rained down. So let's build and always remember God's goodness. But not only is it God's goodness, it's also to remind us of where we've come from. Now this threshing floor, it's this uh, hazard, it's where grain, it's where ox would roll over the grain to break them up so that they can be uh, uh, formed into bread and food. And then David builds this altar. But that altar is always a reminder in David's life, the mistake that he made. This altar, it sat up north side of the city of Jerusalem and it has a great, uh, uh, a great future in this particular location. Can you imagine being David sitting in the city of Jerusalem looking out and, and seeing, oh, there's an altar that's built. An altar from when he made the mistake. 
an altar from that time when he caused death and destruction. He marked that mistake. See, now we live in a society right now where we don't really want to necessarily mark our mistakes, kind of sweep it under the rub. I can only do good. Like, no, we can't always do good. Sometimes we have to mark the mistakes so we can realize where God has brought us from. You might be going through a situation in life where you just need to mark your mistake. You are reeling and dealing with the consequences of an action. Maybe you need to mark your mistake because you're having some family conflict because you're not spending time enough with your kids. So maybe you need to put that sticky note on that TV and say, 30 minutes only on TV today. Rest of the time, let me spend it with my children. And then if you really want to win favor with the pastor, you can say, go bangles on the other corner, right? Like, you know, mark your mistake. Actually, that's my mistake, being a Bengals fan. But then you maybe need to mark your mistake when it comes to some situations in your life. Maybe you've been out with people doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. Maybe you need to sit down with a loved one and have them tangibly, audibly speak into your life. What mistake do you see happening in in my life? What do you need to do? What do you need to articulate? What do you need to mark in your life so you can move and navigate your consequences? Marking your mistake, David erected an altar so that he can see the goodness of God, but also always remember what the mistake he made and the hurt and the infliction that he caused to his nation. Number three for us when it comes to uh, dealing with consequences is this. Number three is this. You have to allow it to cost something. You have to allow it to cost something. In 2 Samuel 24, verses 22 and 24, it says this, Oh, said Aruna, let my master, the king, take the sacrifice, whatever he wants. Look, here's an ox for the burnt offering and the threshing paddles and ox yokes for fuel. So David's getting ready to erect this, this uh, altar and, and he's coming in and this man wants to give him everything to do it. Aruna gives it all to the king and may God your God act in your favor. But the king said to Aruna, no, I've got to buy it from you for a good price and, and more exceeding price. I'm not going to offer God, my God, sacrifices that are no sacrifices. So David bought the threshing floor and the ox, paying out 50 shekels of silver. See, cost is part of the consequence. With whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're going through, expect there to be a cost to that action. The more we understand that, the more we grab that, the more we hold on to that, the more we can move through it. Because it's not about running away, it's about dealing with the issue at hand. So there's two kind of costs that we see in David's life, in this story. The first one is this, there's the natural consequence. Here's the natural consequence. David sinned, he, he decided to, to trumpet his pride, his power, he was insecure. And so the natural cost of this mistake, 70,000 of his men, countrymen, died. Severe plague. That's the natural cost. Your mistake may naturally cost you something. But then David leans in and this is what else he does. There's a willing cost. David had every right to, buy, to receive the threshing floor, 
to see receive the yo the to receive the ox to receive everything that was there david had the right as the king to take it but he also knew that he had to willingly pay something to show and to shape his heart moving forward in this past year of covid 19 and some change i've had a lot of pastor colleagues and guys around the country that i've talked with communicated with and praying for our church hey what can we pray for you for what you know and having these conversations and a couple major the, the biggest issue that we've seen and it's statistically proven is the handicap and the hurt of oppression and uh, influence in marriages that people are forced to be together more spouses are forced to be together more and they're navigating that and and but then it also comes some friction of how do we adjust to a new normal? And, and this is what's happened. And I've heard story after story of people sitting there on either social media, their computers, engaging in certain websites. Before you know it, there becomes this emotional attachment outside the marriage. Start having a conversation, just started real innocent. And then that emotional tie begins this physical action. When we illustrate that there's those moments that we have to allow it to cost us something. There's marriages that are on its last ropes or on thin ice. Because some of these things have grown rampant and not dealing with some of that. Let me illustrate this. When there's a breach in that marriage, when there's a breach in that spousal relationship, there's going to be a natural consequence there. There's going to be trust issues develop that may plague you for the rest of your time here on this earth. There may be hurt, pain, tears, brokenness with relationships. There might be a lot of stuff that naturally occur. But if there's restoration and redemption, in these marriages and in the, there's going to be an allowance that we have to be willing to allow God to, uh, to work in our life. And what God's asking, we need to allow God to work in our lives in a way where we're saying, God, I'm going to willingly pay whatever I have to pay to make things right. It's not until we get into that moment that we're saying, God, I'm allowing it to cost right now. Make it right in my life. Where we come to this humility. David came to this position of humility. And when he reached that position of humility, God intervened and God changed in his life. Or God moved in his life and changed him. So today I want to encourage you, whatever consequence you're going through, whatever scenario that you're faced with, come to that point as we talk about allow it to cost, own that cost. Consequence comes with a cost. And then number four for us, as we conclude today, this is what happens. And then once we allow consequences bring cost, we have to be willing to pay. We have to be willing to watch God move. 2 Samuel 24 verse 25 says this, he built an altar to God there and sacrificed burnt offerings, a sacrifice of apology, expiation, and sorrow. 
David was sorry for the mistake, for the pride that built up in his life. And then David gives a peace offering, a offering of thanksgiving. And God was moved by the prayers. That was the end of the disaster. Consequences, we all have them. We all have to march through them. And your consequences this morning, your consequences that you have to wrestle with, the results of the action, I want to encourage you, church, watching online or here in this place, it's how you navigate those consequences. It's how you keep your head up through those consequences that can lean you into Jesus and what he can do and move in your life. Or you can say, I'm going to put some distance And church, I'm telling you right now, when we lean in, when things are hard, God's going to do things that we can't even imagine. Philippians 1 says this, this church that Paul writes to is going through some persecution outside circumstances, and he says this, and I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You might be discouraged right now. You might be down and out. You might be hurting. You might be in pain. There might be a mistake that happened in your life and you're reaping the consequences. Well, God's not done. He's gonna move in your life. We celebrate that. See, here's the beauty of the story. This mistake occurred. David let out and he, he accepted the consequence. He owned it, he marked it, he paid that cost willingly. His heir, King Solomon, his son, comes forward and that place that David purchases out of a dark, dire time when death was there becomes the location of the tabernacle that God promised his people. See, what that says to us is in our dark, hurting, broken times, God is on the move, God is working, and he's gonna build us up in a way we can't even imagine, can't even see, but we have to trust him because in the disaster, he can do things that we can't even see. David was going through a really, really tough situation, but God was moved. So I want you to capture this big idea because I feel like there are people in here, people online. You're in the midst of some consequences, maybe self-inflicted or maybe not. But God is moved when we handle those consequences of our mistakes the right way. No matter what you face, no matter what you go through, know your God's on the prowl. Know your God is for you. Your God sees you. So we have a hope for you. We have two of them this morning. The first one is this, that maybe you know there's a mistake occurring and you're reaping the consequences of that life because you know God's calling you into the family. But you're saying, no, I'm not, I just, I can't do it. See, our hope for you is this, that you start a relationship with Jesus and let him work in your life. So we believe this, you start a relationship with God through Jesus by believing that Jesus conquered death in the grave, that he went to the cross to atone for yours and I's sin. And we believe in that, it says we are saved, we are sanctified, we're on this life of justification and God's gonna do some things in our world that we can't even imagine. 
And I believe that some of you know you need to take the step and start a relationship with Jesus. And right now, if you'll just get past and through those consequences, the results, you can lean in and have God move in your life in a way you can't even imagine. And number two, you see God move when you handle the consequences of your mistakes the right way. Some of us haven't come to terms that there's consequences that we're dealing with, there's consequences that we're navigating, and we don't want to handle them the right way. We say, no, you're putting a lid on what God can do in your life. You're putting a lid of saying, God, move in my life, do something amazing in my life, build me for the future, iron out my character, because we don't want to deal with the consequences the right way. So I want to encourage you as we wrap up or enter to a time of reflection and response led by our worship team. I want to encourage you, own it, mark it, allow it to cost, and then watch God move. Let's pray this morning. God, right now we give you this time. We say thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you, to praise you, to call on your name. Lord, there are those in here who are challenged with the circumstance are challenged with the results of an action her dealing with consequences god right now i pray that you move in their hearts and their minds in a way we can't even fathom a way we can't even see but allow us to trust you always allow us to believe in your goodness allow us to start relationship with you allow us to be available to your move in our life so you can build us up for the future and for your works God, you're not done with us. Continue to move in your great and holy name. We all say, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.